0: Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.
1: Well, hello and welcome to Engage for Success Radio. Engage for Success is a not-for-profit movement and we are the UK's leading voice on the topic of employee engagement. We're raising awareness and running events through our area networks around the country and our topic and sector specific thought and action groups, developing research, publishing case studies and shining a light on great practice. Do visit us at engageforsuccess.org to learn more, where you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter. And I'm Joe Moffitt. I'm one of the regular hosts of Engage for Success Radio, and I'm also Managing Director and Founder of Woodreed. Woodreed is a specialist creative agency where we use the tools, the techniques, and the insight-led approach of the advertising and marketing world to help our clients create great places to work, high-performing cultures of engaged employees. So today is radio show number 409, and we're going to be talking about the question of of whether there is a trade-off between purpose and profit. And to help us explore that topic, I'm delighted to welcome to our show, Alex Edmonds. Alex is author of Grow the Pie, How Great Companies Deliver Both Purpose and Profit. Uh, so welcome to the show, Alex. It's it's great to have you with us. Thank you for joining us.
0: Great, how thanks. How you? It's great to, to be here. Uh, good, thanks. Thanks yep. for having me on.
1: Oh it's a pleasure entirely a pleasure. I know I've we've been on various uh, panels over the last couple of years and I was uh, I certainly got hold of your book Grow the Pie when it was first published because it's uh, clearly a subject that's very close to my heart but I think it's it's so important to have that that evidence um and those that sort of rigorous case studies that that, that, that the book is full of to to sort of make the point. So thank you very much for joining us and you know it's a very timely um for us actually with Engage for Success at the moment and we book our radio show guests over a year ahead um, so we had no way of knowing when we booked you onto the show that last Friday we would have run uh, one of our live events which was entirely looking at uh, well, it was called "Why the Why Matters," and it was talking about purpose. And it was talking about the importance of strategic narrative, which our listeners, many of our listeners, will know is is one of the what we call the four enablers of engagement. Um, it is number one to have a, 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 a visible and empowering leaders who can tell a strong strategic narrative about their organisation, where it's come from and where it's going, which is essentially. What purpose is all about, um, uh, in, and so we had that on Friday. Um, we had some great speakers come along to that, so um, it's lovely to have you on the radio show, literally the next working day, almost, Alex, to sort of explore the topic even more. So, um, thank you for, for joining us. Um, I guess I'd like to start off, if I may, by just um, talking a little bit about the impact of the last eighteen months, because obviously, well, eighteen to twenty months really with with COVID. I think you your book was published prior to that wasn't it so what what have you seen the last sort of 18 to 20 months the impact of that on on your on the topic and the importance of purpose and profit
0: so i think it's only increased the interest in the topic and the importance of this and that i didn't predict so when the pandemic happened many people who are concerned that this would be the end of purpose because in the pandemic you'll we'll just have to fight for survival you can't really mm. think about serving wider society because you just need to make sure uh, that you didn't go bust but what has been yeah. great in the last 18 months obviously the pandemic itself has not been great but what we have seen is companies respond in really positive ways and i think what the pandemic has highlighted is the positive role that companies play Like we often think mm-hmm. that companies they Extract profits, they mistreat workers and so on. But what we've seen is companies do some amazing things where they're Pivoting from their core business to try to use their expertise to serve society. So let me just give an example Uh, Mercedes um, Their expertise is precision engineering. They normally use that to make things like Formula One engines But they Mm -hmm. use that instead to make CPAP breathing machines, which are a less invasive alternative to ventilators. And so given that, um, companies to realize, well, actually, if I think more broadly and ask myself the question, what is in my hands? And by that, I mean, what are the resources and what's the expertise that my company has? And how can I use that to serve society? Then I think the potential that we have for companies to serve stakeholders is, is huge. And one final thing I, I want to say about the pandemic is what people realize is that purpose is not necessarily about spending loads of money. So often people think, oh, only once I'm a massive company can I afford to think about purpose. But in the pandemic, even though companies were not flushed with cash, they realized that purpose was often a mindset shift, not mindset shift. For example, Mercedes already had Their engineers, it just redeployed them to um, making these machines, but it was not a massive financial expenditure to do that. Often the barrier isn't necessarily money, but just uh, mindset and and thinking about either purpose or profit.
1: So so can you give us um, in a a nutshell, I think probably it's it's a good idea to sort of define our terms and our topic is, is there a trade off between purpose and profit? Well, I think everyone listening will know what profit is, um, but I suspect that people listening may all have a slightly, you know, can be a variety of interpretations. What do we actually mean by purpose? You know, is purpose just to deliver shareholder value um, or what, what do you mean by purpose? Can you give us a little bit of a definition of that, Alex?
0: Thanks. Right, so that's a key question because purpose is one of the buzzwords, but no one really thinks about what it means. So what do I define purpose as? It's to me, it's why a company exists. It's the role it plays in the world and the way that it serves society. And that might sound mm-hmm. quite lofty. So let me give an example. So for a pharmaceuticals company, why you exist is to transform human health, not necessarily to make money for selling patented drugs. Now, the important thing is that while the purpose cannot be to earn profit, the purpose is to serve society, profit is a byproduct of serving your purpose. So if a company is purposeful, then it will be successful, and then it will be profitable, but profit is not the direct it's more an outcome and so an analogy here is to a person's purpose the person's purpose shouldn't be to earn the highest salary it might be to be a doctor or an entrepreneur or a teacher but if you choose a career that you love you're going to be successful in that career and then you will be financially stable so to the question of today's Profit, which is is there a trade up between purpose and profit? There need not be because if you are a purposeful company that's serving wider society, people will want to work with you, people will want to buy your product, people will want to invest in you, and profit can then come out as as a byproduct of that.
1: Yes, and and how long term ought a purpose to be? I mean, you know, is it is it something? For example, we talked about the pandemic. Just touched on the pandemic at the start. Would it, were people kind of coming up with whole new purposes? I mean, you just used the Mercedes example. They, they kind of evolved their purpose to the, to the um, requirement of the moment. Their purpose probably didn't, you know, didn't exactly change. You know, are purposes things that are for life or do they go through sort of cycles, marketing cycles?
0: I think purpose needs to evolve because if you think about purpose as being the way that you serve society, Societies mm. need change all the time. And so you need to be nimble. Now, there are many advocates of purpose who argue, well, let's write purpose into the articles of association of a company. And that seems to be sort of the great sort of panacea because once it's in your articles, then it has to be there. But the problem with that is that purpose then can become extremely rigid. So I think companies should be nimble. I think the mm. question on long-term is really important because often people think long-term is always good and short-term is always bad. But I would like not to think about long-term versus short-term as serving society and not serving society. So you could serve society by being very short-term, by responding to clear and present dangers like the pandemic. So there's some issues which are long-term issues like climate change, there's some which are really immediate and urgent and I think we need to as a purpose company to be nimble to recognize that they're both short-term and long-term problems that we need to address and so the companies that did were will indeed want to recognize social needs rather than just focusing on, on long-term issues and, and being rigid rather than flexible.
1: So, so I was interested in you talking about um, yeah, serv- serving society so a purpose then is not just Relevant to your people, your employees, and your customers, but you—it has a wider impact in your view. It should have should have a wider impact in your view.
0: That's right. Because when I said society, let me define society. So, who does society include? It does include employees, which are really critical, obviously, and customers. A company cannot function without customers. But the environment is a really key aspect of society and that will involve things like climate change and water usage, land usage, and so on. So companies need to think about their impact on the environment. Why? Well, first, customers and work, workers will walk away from a company that doesn't do that. And second, thinking more selfishly, if you use up the environmental resources, then we won't have those resources to be in business in 10 or 20 years' time. You might yeah. also think about your suppliers. Um, and so I know some agricultural firms, agribusinesses, which will try to invest in their suppliers, make sure that suppliers are, know the, the latest farming techniques, They'll provide um, funding to suppliers in the crises. We saw there were some retail companies where in the pandemic, even though the retail stores were shut, they continued to pay their suppliers, such as garment manufacturers. They continued to make good on any orders they made, and others didn't. And they they were really squeezing their suppliers, and and those are ones that might have long term consequences because if they don't have their supply partners, then they might not be in business in the future. So I think there's many aspects to um, the supply which a company needs to think about. Yes, employees and customers are critical, but so are the, the environment and
1: suppliers. Mm. It's interesting. I mean, I'm gonna. I'm. I totally get what you're talking about, and I'm. I'm. You know, passionate believer in it but I'm going to play devil's advocate here um, and ask the question you know are there times though when it becomes a luxury that we can't afford because and I'm thinking in you know in the news just in the last sort of 24 48 hours we've seen stories about um, energy companies um, going bust energy companies who have courted a particular demographic or a particular type of customer you could argue they've their purpose has drag them down could you I mean is it you know is that is that fair or it can it can it only help if you can it only be a good thing if you're structurally sound you know if you've got sort of fundamentals that are are not right then no amount of great purpose is gonna make you a successful business
0: I think it's a really fair challenge Joe. and what I'll say is I, I think purpose is important at all times. It's not just the luxury and times are good. But what I'll is that sometimes you misunderstand purpose. A personal firm cannot be commercially naive, and it cannot avoid taking tough decisions. So an example right. of that is let's take Airbnb. Right. So what they did was they decided to cut twenty five percent of its workers. Because they recognise that even after the pandemic subsides, travel may well not rebound to what it used to be. For example, business travel is not gonna be the same because people recognise they can use Zoom. So what they did is as they cut their workforce. But I would say that is a purposeful activity. And you might say, Well that's crazy, they made their workers redundant. But if indeed the industry has permanently shrunk And then we don't want to employ as many people in the travel industry. Maybe there's other sectors of the economy which uh, need them more. One example is in Japan, there are companies that used to make magnetic tape. Now, obviously, magnetic tape is not sold anymore. And these Japan companies, because there's some social taboo against making people redundant, they're kept within the organization, and they are sent to what's known as banishment rooms, where all they do is review security footage. Now, that does not provide them with meaningful work or skills development. It gives them a job, but it doesn't lead to human flourishing. So I think it can be purposeful to take tough decisions of letting people go if you think your business has been permanently affected. Now, then you need to take that tough decision in a very humane way. So Airbnb gave them 14 weeks of seventh pay, a year of health insurance to let them keep their laptops to um, ensure that they could found a new job. But I fully agree with you, Joe. That purpose is not being meaning being naive and forgetting about the, the importance of staying alive and, and, and making profit.
1: Hmm. So it's a, there's a ju- there's judgment calls to be made, aren't there? I, I guess, and it's how you go about making the decisions that you make. Um, it was really interesting, actually. We I mentioned this event that we ran, Engage for Success, ran on Friday, and one of the panelists that we had on was the HR um, director of the Eden Project. Um, and you know, obviously, a not-for-profit um, organisation with a very clear purpose. Um, but but the story that she was talking about was really interesting. In that a year ago, during the height at the height of the pandemic, uh, in terms of the, the the immediate impact upon their business, which was very much around you know a leisure destination tourism public visitors, et cetera, et cetera, all of that just went went out the window. And they had to take some tough decisions, like exactly as you were describing, Alex, they had to take some tough decisions. Um, They had to take some tough decisions about reducing their overhead and making people, unfortunately, making people redundant. But because they made those um, decisions in a humane way, the feedback that they've had from their workforce has been entirely positive. Um, And even and now they've actually managed to take back, as things have turned around and and they're starting to explore opening new Eden projects here, there and everywhere, um, they are taking they're re employing people. Um, and they've managed to maintain that employee engagement and that sense of loyalty and commitment to the organization, even though they've had, they had to make some tough decisions along the way. It was the way in which they made those tough decisions um, has stood them in good stead. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about, isn't it?
0: Yes, that's absolutely right. I think many people, consultants, i like say even business school professors, they focus too much on what to do, like what strategies to adopt and what products to sell. But I think what the way you do it is, is really important. And so mm-hmm. if companies need to make tough decisions, but if you explain the process by which you reach this, you, you say that, well, even though we happen to make a tough decision, we're going to try to minimize the impact. We have on those who are losing out. Uh, I think that that is that is really important, and it's important yeah. because then the employees will come back. And often companies think about their net promoter score for customers, right? They want to treat their customers well in order for the customers to tell other people. But employees are a key net promoter because employees are um, former employees are often asked if somebody wants to take a job at a company, they ask other people who used to work there. Uh, and so it's yeah. really important for companies to, to make sure that even employees who are going to be let go that you do so in a humane way, both for humane reasons but also for business reasons because employees can be big net promoters or net attractors.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I want to I want to carry on the analogy of your of the title of your book, where, you know, grow the pie, um, and and take that analogy a step further and say, well, yeah, but the proof of the pudding is in the eating or the proof of the pie is in the eating. Um, and I think one of the things that I, I, I know that you include in the book is that it's some really quite, you've taken quite a long-term view of some of these organizations, haven't you? Cause it, it, it that's in terms of, um, you know, how they have delivered purpose and how they've delivered profit and how they actually, that's been good news for Um, shareholders and and the communities they serve and their people and I wonder if you could perhaps tell us give us a little bit of some of the evidence that you've uncovered in the course of your work that that really can show that actually you know this isn't all pink and soft and fluffy Um, you know you can have it you can have both things they don't they're not mutually exclusive
0: Absolutely, Joseph. So maybe I'll, I'll start by explaining what I mean by the pie. So the pie is the value that a company creates for society. And you can mm-hmm. choose to divide that value to investors in the form of profit or society in the form of wages to workers or taxes to government or fair prices to workers. And often mm-hmm. we think about the pie as being fixed. And therefore, if a company wants to maximize profit, the only way it can do that is minimizing the slice that goes to workers by paying them less. So why the book is called Grow the Pie is I believe that if you are to invest in your employees, then they will become more motivated, and more productive. The pie grows and ultimately investors become better off. Now, as you say, mm-hmm. I that sounds sort of fluffy and wishful thinking, so the heart of the book is evident, so that this is not just something too good to be true. And let me just give you an example of one of many studies, and this is a study that I conducted myself where I looked at a measure of employee well-being. So this is the list of the 100 best companies to work for in America. Importantly, mm-hmm. that list was around for 28 years when I did the study. And why is that so important? because you might think if it's just one or two years, maybe they got lucky. Or mm-hmm. if those years were boom times, then you have your question at the start, Joe, that maybe and this only works in good times, maybe in a pandemic, um, purpose is the luxury. So over the sure. 28 years, I had things like the financial crisis and um, September 11th. And to cut a long story short, what I found was that companies on this list beat their peers in shareholder return by... 2.3 to three point eight percent per year over a 28-year period which is eight nine to one hundred and eighty four percent compounded Simply burn. i was
1: going to say that that's,
0: that's, that's quite impressive
1: that's quite impressive you're seeing that on a compound basis for sure
0: yeah, so that's really high, and also what's really important is I defer the test to show that it was causation rather than correlation, because one of the concerns might be, oh, is it profits that lead to you being able to treat your employees better, and I show it's yeah. not, it's employee, treating employees better then leads to profit. So a company that treats their workers well is not just being ethical and moral, it is, but in addition to that, it's being commercially successful and being profitable. So that's why me as a finance professor, maybe when you introduced me, some of the listeners you would have thought, what is a finance professor doing on this show? Because finance is often the enemy of employee engagement. But no, the numbers show that employee engagement is critical to a company's finances as well as being good for workers.
1: You know, that, that is a really, really important point, And I don't think we can labor it too much because one of the um, objections in inverted commas that is often thrown at people who work in the area of employee engagement and culture is that people will say, oh, yes, but it's a when an organization is successful, that's when they're pe- it's that success. That makes people engaged and um, to be able to actually talk to proof um, from somebody who, as you say, is it comes at this from a a finance professor perspective um, rather than um, and I'm, you know, I'm going to be derogatory to my own area of expertise, you know, the sort of some kind of fluffy consultancy type person. Um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's that much more compelling. So um, I, think, I don't think we can make that point too, you know, too often, do you, that um, actually you've proved that it is the, um, the engagement and the, the focus on purpose and the way you treat your people that then delivers your profit.
0: Absolutely. And, 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 and often people think that, that it, they call it responsible investing if you're a company that invests in companies that, if you're an investor who invests in companies that treat their work as well. But what my evidence shows is this is not responsible investing, it's just investing. Right? Any investor would want a company that beats their peers by the, the magnitude we mentioned earlier. So any sensible investor should want to prioritise employee engagement and so there's nothing particularly response about it. It's suspensable even if your only yeah. goal is, is, is long-term financial return.
1: So, so, even, so even the debate that perhaps people have been, 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 been starting to have around, well, actually, are we starting to look at a new model of capitalism, responsible capitalism? Um, actually, you're you're almost saying, Well well no, this is just this has just been the the sensible way to do it because why would a shareholder, why would stakeholders in an organisation, particularly the shareholders, not want to be that company to be practicing things that are delivering them? What did you say, two point eight percent compound? Um, so it's
0: eighty nine to hundred and eighty four percent over the twenty eight years, but per right. year it's two point three to three point eight. And so that's two significant. Point,
1: yeah yeah so it's almost like it, 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 we we don't need to have a new debate we don't need to come up with a new label this is simply saying actually this is how good companies ought to be run
0: you're, you're absolutely right and i think that's that point is really important so people are arguing that the shareholder value model is broken let's move away from shareholders but, but that doesn't mm. really make sense because shareholder value is actually a long-term concept. Shareholder value is the value of a company's future dividends until the end of time. And that's not just a theoretical concept. That's true in practice. Some of the most valuable companies today are companies like Tesla or or, um, Doc or, or tech companies where most of the profits are not short-term, they're in the long term. So even mm. if a company is focused purely on shareholder value, it will want. To invest in its employees or it want to invest in things like electric cars and solutions to climate change and the stock market is not perfect but it is forward-looking in many respects so when many people will argue okay in order to protect stakeholders let's put heavy regulation on investors and stop investors from interfering. but if you see like many investors are actually persuading companies to move faster on things like diversity, equity, inclusion, many investors are holding companies to account for climate change, and this is because investors know that these things are material for long-term shareholder
1: value. Right. So I was going. I think you've kind of answered asked, answered the question I was just going to ask you, which was to what extent do you think shareholders understand their responsibility to do that, put that pressure on companies? And yes, and while I while I have partially answered
0: it, I think. Some do and some don't. I think we often think about investors and use the broad term, but there's a very sort of a large range of investors. I think one of the big terms of it is how large a, a stake an investor has in a company. Because if you've only got a small stake, you don't have much skin in the game. So how are you going to evaluate a company? You're going to look at its profits. You're going to look at its stock price because those things are easy and free to gather only if you have a lot of skin in the game will you bother to do things like look at its employee retention strategy maybe speak to management maybe look at the product pipeline and so on so i think what we do want is as is, is, is large um, investors with skin in the game and so to the extent that we're going to have more of that i think that's a positive step forward um unfortunately there is the move towards fragmentation of the investor base and investors who are spread too thinly to, um, mm-hmm. to, to really monitor the company and I think that's a negative trend what we do want is investors to be concentrated but unfortunately there are some people who argue well if investors take large stakes they're going to use their large stakes to pillage a company and focus it on the short term that sounds sort of great um, news stories because it will get people alarmed, but the evidence is that when investors have large stakes they actually are going to push a company towards the long term.
1: Hmm. Yes. Okay. And uh, we've only just got a few minutes left. These shows always fly by. because could, we could dig a lot more deeply in the topic than we were able to do. But in the in the sort of three or four minutes that we've got left, um, listeners who are hearing what you're saying, how, how do they? How can they begin to put some of what you're talking about into practice? And who are the kind of people that need to? They need to get on side to make this to make a shift in mindset towards this sort of thinking
0: i think they need to get the ceo and the cfo involved so throughout our half hour conversation show we've not mentioned the word csr and i think that's a good thing because i think csr has the connotation of being siloed into one non-core csr department but the issues i talked about are, are core how is a company mm-hmm. making a profit? Is it through serving society or exploiting it? And so I'd, I would encourage them to get the CEO and the CFO on board. And how mm-hmm. do they do that? Um, I, I'm obviously a little bit biased, but I do think evidence matters to show mm. that these things are consistent with the company being commercial. And uh, one of the really nice things since publishing the book is the interest that it's had for many companies, which you might have thought would never care about them. These are investors. Oh, really? These are professional uh-huh. service firms, hedge funds, private equity firms, and, and so on. Yeah, so that's what's been really yeah. positive is they thought, oh, if a finance professor and the next investment banker is now an advocate for purpose, there might be something to this. And so um, what what's really been good, it's not just been teaching to the converted, but often to the heathen as well, if I continue that analogy. Yeah,
1: and, and if we were to take it, you know, these sorts, it's very easy to... Put easy to talk about these but very often we talk about these things we talk about them in the context of uh, plc's organizations with shareholders and there's this massive great tale of smes in particularly in the uk and sometimes they can be thinking well actually this is all very this is all fine and dandy for the big boys but i can't possibly put this sort of stuff into practice so if there was one thing um in in the minute we've got left now alex that listeners should take and take away and, and really make sure they put into their thinking, what would it be? That
0: purpose doesn't require a huge investment of money, so it's for all companies, not just large DLCs, but SMEs as well. Again, companies think, what is in my hand? So we had in the pandemic some gyms saying to the NHS, oh, we've got some unoccupied gym space with our gym is chart. Do you need this to, 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 to use this as testing centres and so on? So if companies can think about what their expertise is and think about how that serve society, that's something any company can do.
1: Excellent. Thank you. Slown um, by, I'm really sorry for that, but um, it's been great to, to probably just scratch the surface. So um, very um, a big thank you to you, um, Alex Edmonds, author of Grow the Pie, How Great Companies Deliver Both Purpose and Profit. And thank you for listening to Engage for Success Radio. We'll see you at the same time next week. And don't forget, you can download or stream any of the great shows from our archive at any time. So thank you for listening, and goodbye. Engage for Success Radio.
0: Raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's
1: a better way to work. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.